What is up, freaks? Welcome back to this week's edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. It's your boy Marty Bent sitting down with Matt O'Dell. Just one-on-one for the first time in a few weeks. What's going on, dude? I'm excited to be intimate with you. Today, <laughs> a lot to talk about this week. Fucking exciting week. Very exciting week. Um, a lot of good, healthy conversations being had this week. So excited to, to expound upon those first. Before we hop into it, uh, the price according to the Trade Block XPX Index is $7,797.42. And according to my node, which was launched using Pierre Richard's node launcher, we're at block 577436 uh, I think we're officially within a year of the, of the block having. Yeah, Cor- probably a little bit sooner Yeah, because hash rate keeps going up. Yeah, um, And we're at 12,800 sats per dollar right Bus. now. Us. Uh, again, the, the dime is not going as far as it used to. I've been uh, I've been checking the dime bag on uh, TFTC.io, and and we're getting less satoshis per dime. It's a shit coin. What can I tell you? Yeah. Hey, if you're willing to dump it into uh into the dime bag, we'll take it. Um, uh, before we jump into our topics, lots to talk about this week. As we already discussed, got to give a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, first of all, we got Unchained Capital. You freaks know all about them already. Uh, if you sign up for their uh, Volt solution, which is a two or three multi-sig solution that's compatible with Trezor's ledgers, uh, when it's not online, you guys are 100% cold storage. Uh, Unchained is there to be the third key, or excuse me, the second of two keys if you're ever in a pinch and need them to sign for you. Um, but you'll have two of the three keys in your possession at all times. Or you can even get unique with it, depending on what, what situation you're in. If you're, if you're a business, uh, an individual, a family office, whatever it may be, you can get very creative with these multi-sig solutions. If you guys sign up now by going to www.unchained-capital.com slash vaults, you're going to get three months free of Safe Adina Moose's, uh the Bitcoin Standard Research Bulletin. That's uh, some quality information for free. So again, www.unchained-capital.com slash vaults. Uh, also, shout out to Cash App. You freaks all know all about them. They're helping us stack sats. Uh, and they're also the number one finance app in the App Store for the last two years. First P2P payments app to offer Bitcoin selling uh, to retail investors or retail retailers, we'll say. They also have the Boost program. You freaks know all about it. I've been pimping out the uh, the Boost card for quite a while now. I, I honestly do use it every day. It saves me money. Uh, one of my favorites more recently is Whole Foods. Actually, bum, they cut it from 10% to 5%, but I'll take the 5% uh, Prime member as well, compounding savings there. Uh, download the Cash app and start stacking sats today. Google Play, Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Matt, where the fuck should we start this week? Hopefully we get sats back soon on the Cash app too. Sats back. That'd be fucking dope. Sats back at the store. Yeah. The, the boost, instead of getting uh, getting a discount, sats back would be... Uh, would be a very and good. And then you use your boost card to buy something through Lolly. And you compound your sats back. Yeah! <laughs> it's so much stacking there. It just got it moved a little bit. I feel so bad for people's ears. That wasn't me. <laughs> that was Marty. So, sorry. Dude's about a little that, bit friends. excited. Very excited. Lots to talk about this week. Um, let's start with. Uh, let's start. Let's start with a little fun. A fun. Uh, we'll start with our our weekly contributor. Or, or, excuse me, our listener contributor. We uh, shout out to um, m.btc at m.b, excuse me, at m.bit, excuse me, at m.bit, M-D-O-T-B-I-T. Uh, bought a shout out this week. It has a question for us, Matt. What single person would you like to see tweet? I am already all in on Bitcoin. It is the future of money. Keep the fire pods coming. Shout out m.bit. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the contribution. M.Bit's awesome. Uh, we've both met him. Fantastic dude. Uh, yeah, BitDev's regular. A- appreciate appreciate the contribution to the pod. Um, I think every single podcast listener knows exactly what my answer is. And he has already got a big bag of Bitcoin, in my opinion. And his name is is, is Donald Trump. Donald Trump. You think he's, you think he's, uh, you think he's securing the bag of sats right now? Yeah, he's. They, I'd be so surprised. I'd be absolutely surprised if, what is, he, if he what doesn't is, have it. What is the situation that that entices Trump to tweet about Bitcoin? Like, what is it? Is it trade war? Uh, sort of the impetus for this. He's like, "Fuck it, we're going to Bitcoin. Screw you." Or is it anti-Bitcoin? Is a positive Bitcoin? What do you think? I mean, I don't know why I just stood up there. 
Yeah, I mean, I would be fine if you just sent a tweet out that just said Bitcoin. You know, he doesn't have to get into the weeds. But, um, I mean, there's plenty of ways that, that he could pump his bags if he wanted to pump his bags. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think he would be against it. You know, he doesn't necessarily, he hasn't shown much, you know, moral restraint in any kind of way. Yeah, he definitely doesn't have a leash on him when it comes to tweeting things out. <laughs> exactly. So I'm hoping for like that 3 a.m. toilet tweet. Uh, <laughs> maybe Bitcoin is the best money we have. You know, something like that. Just like a toilet thought tweets it out to the world. That would be awesome. Um, for me, uh, we discussed this before the podcast. I think I think Kanye. I would like to see Kanye. Big Kanye fan. I think uh, we talked about it earlier this week. It's a good segue into another uh, topic uh, with Russell Okun. Who's shout out to Russell if you're listening to this. Thanks for listening to the pod. Apparently he's been listening to Tales from the Crypt as well as some other Bitcoin focused podcast. Um, and yeah, so I think I, I really do think uh, people like athletes and, and artists like Kanye really drive culture, uh, whether you like it or not. That's that's sort of what drives our culture, what drives what people pay attention to. They're role models. Yeah. So I think if Kanye tweeted something, he's at uh, sort of the pinnacle of, of pop culture and, and culture produ- production. And it would have a, a a very heavy effect. What would a Kanye tweet look like? Whoo! I I could see him hopping in on the stacking sats meme, dude. Just just pop in just, on a just, thread, just stacking nonchalantly, sats, like post yes, screenshot, stacking sats, yeah. Ten thousand dollar buy. Yeah, if you're listening, join us. We're on Saturdays <laughs> usually. If Kanye's listening, <laughs> yeah. Rumor is Kanye's a very diehard listener of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Um, Still waiting on the uh, the invitation to Sunday service, but he uh, would not be. Sur- he's talked about Bitcoin before pretty openly. He has, yeah. On uh, with Charlemagne, I believe. He's another one that I, he probably owns a bunch of Bitcoin. Would it be surprised? Yeah, he just hasn't shielded it yet. Yeah, and uh, again, uh, production of culture starts with these with these idols, if you will. Again, whether you like it or not, and uh, I think it would be good for them to to get people into into Bitcoin, into self sovereignty, into sound money. I think I imagine a lot of these people, um, a lot of the more higher profile Americans specifically got in in a big way over this last bear cycle. So they're still sitting in a position where like they might not want to admit it because they might be wrong, but they'll be more likely to admit it when the adrenaline's going and it's like $15,000 and we're like approaching the next all-time high and they just feel like a genius. Because let's be honest, when the price goes up, we all feel like fucking geniuses. Yeah, was it, wasn't Katy Perry fucking yeah. painting her nails? Like- that was the top. That was the top. <laughs> she had all the altcoins. She had like Monero oh, and Litecoin yeah. and shit. She had like her. paid ads on her Instagram and shit like that. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So that's when they come out of the woodwork, right? They, they gather their bags now and they... Yeah. No, so let's segue this into the, the NFL versus NBA topic. That was a tight, tight poll we had there on Twitter, which Players Association will own more Bitcoin by 2025. Uh, the NFL won out f- 51 to 49%. I couldn't believe it was so close. For the longest time, it was just 50-50. There was, over, there was over 2,500 votes, too. So, pretty good sample set. And you didn't put a show me the answers, though. I don't like that. I like show me the answers. It's a, it's a binary option. You realize how little conviction people have when you put the show me the answers, because even something as like, just like pick one simple as that. I bet you like 35%, 40% of people would have clicked. Show me the answers. Yeah. But then just add some complicated math. And as we all know, I'm not the best at math, especially on the go. I like, I sent a poll out once. I was like, do you use a windows computer? And it was yes, no, show me the answers. It was like 35% show me the answers. Like guys, just say, you know, there's no, uh, yeah, exactly. That's why you only give two options. Um, but I this, go back and forth. But this leads into the conversation of which league. Which league do you think? Well, you said NBA. Well, I said NBA. I was, you know, kind of also trying to egg on Russell because I knew he was watching. Um, I don't know. It's a it's a toss up. I mean, we have uh, the owner of the Warriors is like a major proponent of Bitcoin. Yeah, Chamath Chamath yeah. Patapatia, I believe. Um, big big proponent of Bitcoin. He actually. Uh, I like his his term Bitcoin is an insurance policy against the idiocy of central banking. Um, that's one of his sound bites that I really like. And uh, yeah, there's been rumors for years. Rumors can't confirm them. Just coming through the grapevine that that some leagues have have paid players on the side with with Bitcoin and stuff like that to entice them to come play for them. 
I mean, I could see athletes in general um, being more likely uh, to end up with a lot of Bitcoin uh, when this all young rich. Out. It's the perfect demo. They like the risk appetite is higher. Yeah, they have a lot of disposable income. Matt Barkley came out. He said he was mining. He's been mining cryptocurrencies. Um, Russell Kuhn actually obviously hope it's not cloud mining. <laughs> Matt, if you're listening, <laughs> Matt, Mr. Barkley. Make sure you're like my age. Matt, do not cloud mine. Make sure you got like S9 set up or some shit. Please, sir, no cloud mine. <laughs> For your own sake. Um, no, so this is a growing trend. Again, like Bitcoin, we talk about adoption a lot and like what's going to drive adoption. We talk a lot about the uh, the mechanics of that and more about infrastructure on ramps and stuff like that. But uh, adoption of Bitcoin as an idea in people's mind, I think uh, athletes talking about it more openly and stuff like that is, is very good for, for just, again, the virus spreading. It was pretty fun watching Russell go down the rabbit hole live on Twitter. Right. You know? And uh, I, have, have there been any have there been any known baseball players who have come out? The MLBs, uh, they have that, uh, that ERC-20 like, baseball card. Oh, thing. yeah. A Crypto Kitty card, basically. Yeah, yeah. MLB's always been cheesy. Yeah, but the individual players make a ton of money, and their they careers make, are long. Careers are longer; they make the most money. I'm pretty sure. I wouldn't be. I would not be surprised if there's MLB players that own Bitcoin. I know, like A Rod is like a Buffett man, so like maybe he's just walking around telling people it's like baby brains trading or something. Yeah, and he uh, he co-hosts a podcast with Big Cat, uh, and I, I think Big Cat definitely has positive connotations of Bitcoin at a certain price level. There you go. Yeah. Everyone has a price. Yeah, everybody does have a price. Um, yeah, anyway, so, that's super exciting, right? Yeah, I'm super excited. No, yeah, the more again, not just the idea spreading and people being more aware, and again, breaking down the the taboo of talking about Bitcoin. People just throw it to the wayside, like oh, that that Ponzi scheme, whatever. If you have again people's idols talking about it in a positive light and an exploratory in a in a sort of open minded way, it'll hopefully change people to think differently as well. Um. Just orange pilling one person at a time. Exactly. Uh, speaking about one person at a time, uh, what's going on with our LN node? We're trying to we're trying to onboard people at the Lightning Network one one person at a time. It was a cheesy segue. I uh, went for it. I went for it. I'm sorry. So we have we have the stacking Sats node. Um, it is currently being operated by a undisclosed thief who's a fan of the pod. Uh, we're now running it through Tor. I don't it like is, his dirty tactics, but I like that he's a fan of, of the pod. Oh, he's definitely a freak. Um, he is still reciprocating channels, so if you open a channel with him, um, he will open one back uh, of of equal amount. Over over two million sats, uh, please. Uh, just because it it reduces the future fee burden. Uh, you know, the larger your your channel is, the less percentage that on chain fee is to open and close. This is good planning for the future. Yeah, uh, I I think. I was talking about on Twitter, like I, an, an interesting stat to watch is going to be uh, the capacity and the number of channels on, on Tor only nodes versus ClearNet nodes. Um, right now, the network is mostly dominated by ClearNet nodes. Part of that reason is because the network is dominated by LN Big nodes, which are all running on ClearNet. But um, as it seems like most of the the node providers are going towards the Tor as a default, which is good. That's where we want to go. Like every single end user should be running their Lightning node through Tor. Um, so you're not broadcasting your IP. Um, ideally, you know, we're a podcast. Uh, you know, our node was public information. Look what happened to it. But like, that's why, you know, if you're a company or something, then, then your node's public information. But if you're an end user, you shouldn't, you, you shouldn't be, you know, connecting your node to your to your real life identity, run it through Tor. And then in the future, if people talk about like, oh, do Wasabi fees, stuff like that, do they get um, untenable as 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 uh, transaction fees increase? And the, the beauty of Lightning is if you fund your own Lightning Tor node with a Wasabi output, you greatly reduce the need to to remix again um, because it's like going into like a black box of sorts. Yeah. No, and this, um, 
as more and more nodes start running through Tor, which it seems like, like you said, it's going to become uh, sort of standard out of the box. We've talked about it in the past. Pierre's node launcher is going to be, if not already, will be Tor native in the future. It's not already. Yeah. It's in progress. Yeah. That's um, like probably the biggest hurdle. Right now, Casa defaults to Tor. Nautil defaults to Tor. That's what we're running it through. This idea that like Tor isn't uh, capable it's, it's of what running. what the robber's running it through. Right. That's that's the robbers running our the the thief is running our 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 formerly our our, our tour note. And um the 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 idea that Tor isn't capable of handling this traffic is is being proven wrong by our node, which is the forty sixth high largest node on the network, high uptime. Um everyone if you know it's a little bit more difficult to run a Tor relay node, but if you can figure out how to do it, you should do that as well. And, you know, just so that we can keep that bandwidth up. The one issue we we do see with these Tor nodes is the channels. Like if you are if you have an existing channel with the stacking sats node um, the and you're still running through ClearNet, it will show as sporadically offline, like the channel's offline, even though the node is still online. And that problem is because it's routing through an exit node to get to you, a Tor exit node. And Tor exit nodes are legally difficult to run because like anyone who's using Tor is like broadcasting through you to the clear net. So like if they look at like child porn or something is like the, you know, is, is the usual example. Then it comes, it looks like it comes from your IP. So we don't have as many of those as we'd like to have. But that issue solves itself once we're all running through Tor because then it never has to go through an exit node. So I understand if it could be annoying, but keep in mind that if you wait and once you finally do upgrade your node to go through Tor, all those channels will still be there and they'll work better than ever. So unless you like absolutely need the money now, uh, like it'd be better if you don't close those channels and you just wait and they'll just get upgraded over. Yeah, no, and then like you sort of touched on there, this highlights the need to if you're technically competent enough and willing and able to to run tour nodes, uh, relay nodes, because we will be leeching off this this network and we should probably contribute back to it. Um, no, these are these are hurdles to overcome, and um, again, do you think? Having watched the uh, the thief uh, manage these channels via Tor and stuff like that, do you think this is scalable? You think uh, your average Tor, yeah, like running everything through Tor and and so first like running a full node, then running a lightning node, and then running it through Tor. It seems pretty ar- arduous. Obviously, it's coming out of the box for a lot of people. Do you? I mean, on the Noddle, it's literally just two extra clicks, mm-hmm. and for the end user, they don't see really any degradation in performance except if they're trying to connect to a clearnet node so it's being abstracted and the thing is the clearnet routing nodes a lot of them dual broadcast and dual listen so they have an onion address and a clearnet address so you have no issue connecting to those routing nodes the issue is the ones that are solely clearnet they don't just do they they don't do um tour as well yeah no this is uh Actually, a very good precursor to the next subject, which is the the seizure of bestmixer.io earlier this week by Dutch authorities. Um, this was a centralized mixing service, uh, and it was see, again seized by Dutch uh, authorities and brought up the question of of privacy in Bitcoin and the nature of mixing services versus coin joins and and the narrative around this. The a couple of publications came out um, and and were conflating coin joins with decentralized mixing services. And it's important to sort of de-alienate between the two. Uh, mixing service is a centralized, uh, basically, arbiter who's taking people's UTXOs and switching them out. And They're receiving Bitcoin and sending Bitcoin, different Bitcoin back to you. Exactly. And uh, uh, coin joins are uh, a specific Bitcoin transaction designed a certain way. That non-custodial. People, non-custodial that people interact with freely. And it's just, uh, it's, it's. You're able to do it just with the nature of the Bitcoin protocol. There's no changes in, to yeah, it. Yeah, in Wasabi's case, there's a centralized server that is coordinating everything, um, but they never have access to your funds, and they don't know who the individual participants are. Uh, as opposed to, the biggest issue with these centralized mixers is they're actually 
theoretically the most effective way of mixing because there is literally zero, zero link. trace yeah with a coin join there the link is still there but there's a hundred other links so you don't know which path is the one it goes down but with a centralized mixer it's actually just splits it up and there's been a lot of them in the past and best mixer i actually wasn't aware of what a great name for a mixer just going straight great great straight to the point advertising there the big one i knew back in the day was bit mixer Mm -hmm. and it was also it looked like they got there was never a formal announcement that they got shut down but they like closed down like out of nowhere like really quickly right before btce went down um I remember I interviewed that guy and they were like mixing back in the day I interviewed him and they were mixing like a ton, ton of Bitcoin. And the, the, yeah. So the way this works is they, they had like a website and, and best mixer operated the same way. They had a website. You could access it through Tor or ClearNet, and you would send them Bitcoin. They'd put it in their pool of Bitcoin and they'd send you different Bitcoin and they'd give you options. Like, should we sell, send it in different segments, different timing amounts? They could send it at a delay. We'll send it, you know, um, Six hours later, we'll send the next payment so, mm-hmm. so you can't conflate the amounts. So for someone who really wants privacy, these centralized mixers are a nice tool in the arsenal. You could use them like in combination with something like Wasabi. Um, but you couldn't ever rely on one alone because the actual mixer could be a honeypot. They, they have logs of every single transaction. They could connect all your addresses. That was the major the major negative. And it's easier to to go after them and they're more i think from a legal standpoint because they're custodial it makes them more liable because they're literally they they and a clear net custodian at that they they see the bitcoin come in they might have an ip address for you they know what address you sent it from and then they're actively sending you different bitcoin there, there's more of a money transmitting happening there yeah um shout out stop and decrypt who pointed out that if you're going to run one of these mixing services you should probably launch it anonymously and run it through a dot onion um URL run it through tour um if you're if you're gonna be engaging in these types of services that's what bitmixer did that's why bitmixer just like shut down out of nowhere instead of seeing it in the news that did they are you sure yeah did best mixer they were actually running it as a company in the netherlands yes that, yeah with bitmixer they were all they were not oh no one ever i got knew. best mixer i thought i got bit mixers mixed yeah. up with best mixer yeah they were like a little bit cocky also the the all the articles said that they were actively advertising to criminals like that's absolutely bullshit they were not doing that um if you run a privacy service like you can't pick and choose no and this like, is this uh highlights the topic conversation that laurent brought up like we like yes these privacy enabling technologies are going to be used by bad people and you do not throw the baby out with the bathwater by just letting not letting anybody have privacy and making all this stuff illegal because some people are 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 doing bad things and and using privacy technology as well. Um, so we like we've expounded upon this many times before on the podcast on RHR in particular is like we just need better police work, like good yeah, old good fashioned old detective police work, like. Uh, just and, like cash. Yeah. And it's like we say a lot, like another theme like the bent in this podcast as well is like complacency kills. Like if you're just going to get complacent and like, again, throw the baby out with the bathwater uh, in the name of protecting people, like that's bullshit. Like, I think I think people have to have some self-respect, like big uh, privacy isn't illegal and using Bitcoin privately does not make you a criminal. It's um, as we head into Memorial Day weekend. Exactly. Remembering the people who fought for America in particular, a country founded on the principle of freedom, of free thought, of free speech, of free commerce. Like, we cannot allow these freedoms, these human rights to be decayed, and they will be if we do not stand up for them. So, like, that's what worried me about, like, the Bitcoin magazine piece. And they, the block. The and block, the block the piece. They've both since retracted and, and fixed, but conflating uh this stuff with like criminal activity and making it look bad like we got those edits done <laughs> we did get those edits done but you, we can't we get we have to push narrative like and shout out to naraja coin center who uh they they posted a blog a couple this hours, morning yeah this morning um i donated right after they posted <laughs> not we'll put we'll put it in the the link in the in the um the description obviously but non-custodial cryptocurrency mixer developers are not subject to u.s regulation and 
Thank it's God. Like what we said the, the, there's a major difference there between a custodial service who's actually handling your money versus a non-custodian. Yes, and and again, going back to like this is possible via the nature of the Bitcoin protocol, which at the end of the day is beauty. I'm like the article is just speech because it's lines of code, and uh, and it's good to see in the land of the free as we headed the Memorial Day weekend here that it is as of right now still protected but then isn't, again complacency kills we should be loud about this topic yeah so coin center is telling us that wasabi is legal so mix all your fucking coins right now <laughs> and then if if you know if they try and say it's illegal in the future then we'll you know oh we didn't know we're at uh four there's no reason not probably, to mix if you're american i would imagine we're we're higher than four percent which was which was uh in the news like a couple weeks ago kyle torpy at longhash.com shout out kyle but the 4% of Bitcoin transactions were involved in some sort of coin join a few weeks ago. I wouldn't be surprised if that's higher now, but we need to pump those stats. It's going to get even higher because Bull Bitcoin, the Canadian oh, Bitcoin yes. brokerage. Shout out Francis, Francis Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. They just they they just made live Wasabi. Was, they're going to run all of their, their user deposits through Wasabi. Yes. So... Shout out and again, massive liquidity boost massive from like a legitimate source. Like it's really important that people that like get freshly KYC coins, like you get coins from Cash App and stuff, and and you want to mix those because you want to break that KYC link, so you have a reason to do it. But it also helps the whole pool because those are seen by law enforcement as like the most legitimate of Bitcoin. So it, as those enter the mixing pool, it makes the whole thing that much more legitimate in their eyes. Again, again. We're gonna harp on it. We're gonna we're gonna pound narratives into your head. Uh, privacy matters, and privacy loves company. Uh, like the bigger uh, companies, just doing this automatically is huge. Just for mixing, for liquidity, for everything. So, which service is next? It's a good question. Um, I don't want to put pressure on anybody. This is no. This is exactly the time. Okay. When Bitcoiners need to Bitmax polish their pitchforks. Bitmax has 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 been uh, has a lot of Bitcoin trading on there. On their uh, yeah, platform. they would be ideal candidate. They would be ideal. Um, Darabed as well. Uh, any of these, any of these, uh, what I would call. I think Kraken would be a good fit because Jesse just likes saying "fuck you" to the man a lot. Yeah, Kraken as well. Um, but I think, like Bitf- like Bitfinex, obviously is a tenuous subject right now. But Bitfinex, like all these, uh, they don't really help give us legitimacy. No, but <laughs> I think. The companies most well positioned to do this are are the ones who are have sort of been cavalier in Bitmax and oh absolutely absolutely in these yeah. other companies. Uh, but like bull Bitcoin gives us, I I feel like it also gives us like a lot of legitimacy. Like Kraken would be a really nice one. Bit Refill would be a really nice yeah. one. Yeah, shout out to uh, TFTC alum Eric Spano who started my bills, which is part of the the bull Bitcoin umbrella now. That's yeah, that's badass. I listened to that one. That was a good episode. Eric, we need to catch up if Wait. you're listening. There's uh, there's one more thing about wasabi. I, I obviously that's the 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 main way we've been suggesting people to coin join their coins. So a lot of people's question is, you know, especially those Bitcoin magazine and the block uh, articles. They kind of alluded to maybe wasabi would be at risk. Um, as we said earlier, they've they've the way they've designed the whole system is designed to reduce their legal footprint. They don't know who's using it. They don't have custody of your funds. Um, the other thing is they, I don't know if you remember, but like a couple weeks ago, like people were giving them shit on Twitter because their terms terms of service service, is like, you can't do anything illegal on it. It's like super strict and like anti cypherpunk and like people are getting really angry at them. Like that's why they need the terms of service. Like they have to say that, to protect themselves. So like give them a fucking break. And then the last thing is, is like, if this doesn't like, if they do decide to shut down Wasabi, like someone can fork it and run it from a different jurisdiction or they can even run it anonymously. So that would obviously suck for the Wasabi team. And we love those guys, you know, but, but there is options on the table there and that's what makes it, you know, kind of like whack-a-mole it's just hard to enforce i think adam and team are are pretty aware of these these possibilities that exist yeah, that's <laughs> why that terms of service exists no shout i mean again you have to fight for these these privacy enabling tools and shout out to the adam fiskers of the world putting putting their necks on the line fucking building this shit yeah and remember when you pay that tiny negligible wasabi fee to them like it includes all that fucking fear because that's scary as hell right yeah so respect. Uh, 
Tons um, of respect. Tons of respect. Shout out to anybody working on this on CoinJoin Tech. Um, also donate to Coin Center. Yes. Through Lightning. Boss. Um, speaking about Lightning, shout out to the man, to the beast, to the legend who helped us build TFTC.io, DJ Seeds, uh, a mensch of a 22-year-old. He made our, our, our site Bitcoin compatible with BTC Pay Server. He customized it. He created some cool custom BTC Pay Server. Is so cool. Yeah. He, uh, he really put the team on his back, and he also just relaunched LNCast is a completely decentralized tool. Um, so LNCast.com. It's not a completely decentralized? No, I think, yeah, because we're receiving our payments for our podcast right, right to our right, BTC right. pay server. Yeah, it's non-custodial. Yes, it's non-custodial. Non-custodial. There we go. Well, because that was kind of altcoiny. Yeah, yeah you know, I'm, that's sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 100% trustless. You yes, know? I, I'm like, that's sorry. That's ridiculous. You, There's no absolute. Thank you for the correction. Thank you for the correction. Very dope, though. It's a very yes. dope site. Um, so, yeah, ellencast.com. You can go uh, pay 10 cents if you want to contribute to Tales from the Crypt uh, by, by listening through your browser and paying 10 cents first. Um, you can do that at ellencast.com. Shout out DJ. Again, it's, kid's a beast. It's an experimental uh, podcast paywall with with lightning so you you can listen to any episode of the supported podcast i think we're the only one up there right now right i think so yeah and and to unlock each episode you pay us 10 cents through lightning and it instantly unlocks in your browser which is just kind of cool experimentation going on yeah again like that's when i went to work that's how i found dj originally because this was a completely custodial service at one point and uh, that's why i reached out to him i was like ah like i love what you did with this you want to come help me build this site and he did, but like that's like things like the dime bag, like little micro content. Like I think it's so cool. Right? You were saying uh, when were we, yesterday when we met up. Like was it yesterday? A couple of days ago. Yeah, right? with Arbidow. Yeah. Um, Arbed out. Is that how you're supposed to say it? Arbed out. Yeah. Like Arbed, Arbed out? out of a tree. Really? Yeah. It's not Arbidow? No, it's Arbed out. Oh wow. <laughs> Fuck man. Uh, great, great guy. Incredible Love guy, that, dude. Uh, yeah, I was saying I. You know, there's something about the Lightning UX flow, and especially with these smaller payments, that really just makes me feel compelled to spend Bitcoin in a way that I've never felt in the past. Yeah, you said you've you've sent more Bitcoin transactions in the last six months than you did in the first half decade of your Bitcoin. Yeah, but experience. most of those are Wasabi coin joins <laughs> and Lightning opens, Lightning channel opens. But still, you Good know, usage. those are two things that were in here you know, six, eight months ago, ten months ago. Good usage. Um, speaking about good things that were in here ten months ago, uh, pretty, pretty positive, uh, pretty positive spin on Bitcoin in the mainstream media this week. Uh, Sixty Minutes, Anderson Cooper interviewed uh, Niha from the MIT Bitcoin Club or the MIT. Um, oops, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm this is. Uh, not coming to mind. Is it the institute? Is it called yeah, the institute MIT or something? Yeah, the the blockchain institute at MIT. Whatever the it is. MIT Bitcoin thing. Charlie Shrem, uh, Bitcoin's first convict, and uh, and Laszlo, Bitcoin's first uh, transaction. And actually, let's give a shout out to Laszlo. People know him as the pizza pizza guy. Pizza Day was yesterday. That's why we met up with Arb Doubt to celebrate Pizza Day. Talk about Bitcoin. But uh, people, a lot of people don't know Laszlo. Uh, is responsible for the first Mac OS uh, implementation of Bitcoin, and he was the first GPU miner. Yeah, it's uh, so dude. Like, you know, he talk about somebody who's down for the cause. Also, a lot of people don't know that ten thousand Bitcoin transaction had a one Bitcoin fee. Really, that's pretty crazy. Damn, it was like point nine nine Bitcoin. 99 million Satoshi fee. And that's the other thing we were saying yesterday. Everybody talks about Laszlo sending the Bitcoin. Nobody talks about the guy that got to ten thousand Bitcoin. Great trade. We made a fantastic <laughs> trade. Um, do you, so you didn't watch the full sixty minutes. Right? I watched like five clip, five two minute clips. So I feel like I got most of the segment. Well, you missed three minutes. I think it was like a thirteen and a half or something. I don't know. It was I. I was such a hater before it aired. I did a preemptive. It's going to be shitty tweet, and I'm the first to admit that that was like I think that was the best mainstream coverage. Like we couldn't have asked for a better mainstream coverage. Yeah. A lot of people were giving Niha shit for for not jumping into the fact that like money isn't a hallucination, isn't a collective hallucination. Like it, it can be like a, it, it money is a tool and a value will accrue to the best tool that is money. And people think Bitcoin is that. 
People were giving her shit for that, but like try think about like trying to jump into that on sixty minutes where she you had, like, did fine. She yeah. did great. Shout out to yeah. Niha. It's a great representation of Bitcoin. Like that's I watched her mainly her interview uh part. And uh I think uh, again, good positive spin. Again, like going back to talking about athletes and rappers talking about Bitcoin and it's seeping into the culture. We talk a lot about adoption via on ramps and stuff like that. We gotta talk about adoption of it just like being in people's minds and the 60 minute shit definitely helps. I don't even think if people even still watch 60 minutes. I don't think they I think their ratings are pretty high. Um I I I don't think they mentioned drugs once in the whole episode. No, they didn't. They didn't. That was that was That's uh, amazing. Right? That's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it was I thought it was really good press. I'm trying to I'm trying to look up the MIT Bitcoin. I don't even know. Whatever. Everyone knows what it is except for us. MIT Digital Currency Initiative. Initiative. Found it. Apologies. Apologies, yeah. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. Uh, MIT Bitcoin Expo is one of my favorite uh one of my favorite conferences to stream every year. Very technical. Um moving more into geopolitical stuff. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is running for president here in the United States is uh, looking to tax eight trillion dollars that's hidden around the world in uh, offshore funds and and other uh, savings vehicles Uh, just highlighting uh, the the value prop of Bitcoin seems like there could be some kind of demand for a (laughs) uh, global censorship resistant money they're gonna come after it people I mean that's like actually there's a book here on my bookshelf that i've been meaning to read about the panama papers so that, that was a big thing about the panama papers it basically uh, brought to light that this amount of money was was being eight trillion dollars eight trillion that's a lot of trillions that's like almost like half the u.s gdp per year right almost like a little less wait till they realize that bitcoin is way better than you know the rare art they hold well that's the thing like going back to the panama papers uh, I'm surprised more hasn't come out after that, but they basically... Pro- You're surprised that the richest people in the world weren't able to shut up all of this? No, but now we have Elizabeth Warren, like, screaming, like, we're going to come tax that shit, and the Panama Papers prove that they have the information to go after these people. So that's the point I'm trying to drive oh, home. Um, and, again, highlights the value prop of Bitcoin. Uh, that could be a lot of inflow. Do you think that whole $8 trillion could move into Bitcoin, or do you think they would I mean, diversify? I'll take it. Uh, I but who knows? We could just use a couple of it. That's fine. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that there's like, especially as Bitcoin matures, there'll be like no reason to hold. Like, it'd be the best best thing to hold. Why would you would you're gonna hold the majority of your wealth in it? Yeah. Why would you do otherwise? If it's it's gonna be highly liquid, you know, relatively stable, but like constantly like going up in purchasing power basically and so why would you ever hold anything else you can just move out of bitcoin whenever you need to yeah no it is it didn't they also drives it drives like the thought experiments in my mind like what happens when these like say like elizabeth warren gets elected or somebody like her uh, bernie sanders and aoc in the future and they're hard on about getting getting the taxes from those offshore funds and people those rich are diving into bitcoin and the ire turns from that offshore uh, those offshore vehicles to bitcoin like uh is that the point at which the the political realm wakes up to the fact that there's nothing they can do about bitcoin is the sovereign individual thesis of as soon as there's uh, a digital currency that lives on the world wide web the, the powers to tax uh, individuals will, will become more ephemeral. Well, I think they'll move more to like a consumption tax and uh, and uh, like a, an a income tax. tax or something like that. But you can still do or like property tax. You could do like property tax. Um, you can have the employer take out some money just like they're doing today. And the employers have property relocations. You know where they are. So they have to do that. And then you do a consumption tax, and you can do like a property tax. Consumption tax makes more sense to me, but again, it's regressive. Yeah, there's a regressive argument, and there's got to be a way to make it work at some point, right? 
I mean, I just I think you're going we're going to have to. There'll be no other option. That's what they're going to have to do. And actually, in a lot of ways, Bitcoin can make it easier because you can just set up the software in such a way that it like every transaction when you buy something, the merchant is all like auto forwarding to the tax agency. It's pretty fucked. Yeah. But it will, you know, it'll make like wealth taxes and stuff like that harder to enforce. Yeah. No, that's another. Um, got a helicopter flying above us right now. That's another conversation they we had yesterday too. It. Is that uh, there'll be like two different economies that develop, uh, and you'll have like a di- dichotomy between the, the the fiat world and and the the Bitcoin world. That should that should come to be in the future. Would you think it's gonna? There'll be like two economies. Yeah, I mean, you see. Why this, would there be? I mean. There always are in places where there are multiple currencies being used. Like, so you don't think like Bitcoin will be legitimized? It's not already becoming legitimized. I mean, it's being legitimized, but again, it's not going to be. I don't know if it'll be ever be completely legitimized by. I'm saying like something like cash crosses both those economies, right? Cash is is both in the black market and the white market. Uh, you go to Starbucks. You know, if you're a drug dealer and you sell someone some drugs, then you get that $20 bills they paid you. You can go to Starbucks and spend it there. And that's true. It's like the simplest crossover. Yeah. So if like Bitcoin is successful, like you should be able to do that in my mind. No, I think you will be able to. But I do believe there will be laggards who refuse to adopt Bitcoin for whatever reason. Certain countries will get isolated. Yes. Basically. Yeah. I think not only this is, first of all, why it's important that we like prioritize um, keeping Bitcoin as efficient as possible and as distributed as possible. And, as you know, as hardened from like any kind of like state actor attack or or stuff like that. But it's also important that by the time they realize the threat a lot of the corrupt politicians and stuff will have bags of their own. So they will be incentivized to to not do anything. Like I've said a lot of times, like regardless of politics, like Trump was like the best thing that could have happened to Bitcoin because like Hillary was like, she would have been, I, I, she was like born to regulate, regulate the shit out of Bitcoin. Um, so like as we have like politicians holding holding these funds they're going to be incentivized to pump it and who knows maybe even like national treasuries and stuff will be holding this you know will be secretly building bitcoin bags as well wouldn't be surprised if some are already um we know bulgaria is sitting on like two hundred thousand bitcoin no that's a that's a where it's unconfirmed rumor what remember they like said they got it they're like a news story came out that they said they got it, and then immediately after they said, immediately after they said, I thought I saw we a, don't have it. I thought right? I saw a story recently that really mentioning that it was from the seizure, right? They like seized from a I think it was dark from neck BD, market, dark neck market, or BTCE involved with that. I thought I think they might have caught the BTCE guy. Like, I mean, either way, if they have it, they should deny it, right? I would. That'd be pretty crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, we don't know. The U.S. has seized bitcoins and sold them. Tim Draper got a lot of those. Do you think Bulgaria... Um, was it Bulgaria or Belarus? It was Bulgaria? Pretty sure it's Bulgaria. Do you think Bulgarian government officials listen to the podcast? I hope so. Not your keys, not your coins, guys. Make sure, you know... Yeah. Don't hold this. Don't hold this on some <laughs> custodial service. Yeah. And don't trade. Hey. <laughs> you, you politicians, you Bulgarian politicians... If you don't know how to trade, if you've never trade, I know it seems enticing. Don't do it. You're going to get wrecked. It's uh, Uncle Marty's advice for the day. There you go. Oh, that's an interesting thing that I wanted to touch on. Um, Over the last two weeks or so, we are officially at the point where if you bought the same amount of money, if you did like the most simple stacking sad strategy where you just bought like $20 a week or whatever every week, at any point, if you started at any point, you would be in profit right now. Damn. Like a month ago, we hit the point where if you bought the exact top, but the thing was, if you bought like a couple weeks before the top, you still weren't in profit. But if you bought the exact top, you were in profit. Now it's literally any single time. If you did that, you'd be in profit right now. That's pretty crazy. Right. <sighs> That's what makes me like, is it, 
how can it be this easy? It feels like it's too easy, this uh, this recovery. Yeah, I better go do like 100x of max or whatever. <laughs> Stacking sats is too easy. Not yeah. Oh, you mean this recovery? Yeah. yeah. It could be just like a head fake or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, you know. But if you do this, you know, if you're dollar cost averaging with like money you're willing to lose, then you can edge out this volatility. Um, I mean, like I'm more bullish than I've ever been, but I'm always bullish. So me as well. But going back to uh, the Bulgarian politicians who should be uh, self-custodying, uh, that was also in the news this week with SIM swaps. There was a couple of uh, high-profile Bitcoiners working at, uh, well, there's one particular person working. The big one was BitGo. Yeah, yeah. The, the, one of the lead devs at BitGo uh, um, got SIM swapped, lost $100,000 of Bitcoin that he's holding on Coinbase. Uh, so a BitGo engineer what the fuck, man? What holding the fuck? his money on Coinbase with SMS to FA, it seemed. Um, no, no, it was... It was... It was uh, maybe it was... Yeah, it was SMS, but it was also... The guy owned his email. He recovered his Gmail account through, through the SIM-swapped uh, phone number. So... On Gmail, you can turn off. First, there's like a million different ways this guy could have stopped from getting robbed. Look, Even on like the simplest, if he had put in like Coinbase's vault thing, he would have been fine. Speaking about the fact that you have a BitGo engineer storing it on Coinbase in an insecure way, and BitGo's a custodial service itself. Yeah, then they have multisig. BitGo has multisig. You know what? What the fuck? What's going on here? Why do you have $100,000 in a Coinbase hot wallet? Like like I said, not even the vault. They have like the vault, vault supposedly where you can like time release and stuff like that. Didn't even have it there. He had it just in like the normal hot wallet. Um, and his Gmail had SMS-based recovery. His, his, most, his, his main email address. Your main email address? I mean, ideally, you shouldn't have a main email address. You should have many email addresses. But let's be honest. Most of us have one main email address. That email address is your most secure possession on the internet because once someone owns that, they can, I forgot my password into every single thing you have, right? So you need to make sure that your phone number is not anywhere near that email address. It can't be used as two-factor. You should be using an app-based two-factor and it cannot Make sure it's not there for like I forgot my password. So like go into the website that you go use. Go to security. The thing that sucks about Google though is they like entice you to put your phone in. And yeah, they, they you have to go you. back. You have to go back afterwards and delete your phone number. Yes, they will. You have to do it to, at first to sign up. Yes, and then you'll have to go back and delete it, and they'll tell you like, are you sure you want to do this? You should probably keep this there. Don't listen to them. It's fucking stupid. Because well, in their defense. Uh, they have backup codes that you should write right, down. Right, they give you back. And it's the same thing as what people say, like people are too dumb to uh, remember their seed or something, write down their seed and recover it. If, if, you, if you don't have the phone number and you lose those backup codes and you forget your password, like you're never getting back in that account again. But what's nice is Google, because they've, you know, Google, they're tracking everything, but because they've been the target of, of a lot of Chinese government stuff because for Chinese dissidents, they give you like a lot of features there. There's account deletion. Um, there's like there's a free version of of what I of the dead man switch that I have at final message. Like if if your Google account is unactivated for like six months, they can either delete it, they can give access to someone else, or they can send a message to someone else for you and delete it or give them access. Um, like obviously, don't put anything in there unless you encrypt it first. But um, yeah, so if you delete your if you delete your phone number. This attack never happens. And one, the best way to test a service for this vulnerability is you, you go in through incognito, you go in through private browsing, and you literally try to get into your account through the I forgot my password button. That's what they're doing. They're going through the I forgot my password. And if you can recover it with just your phone on you, like you're fucked. You got to fix that. Right. Yeah, no, and it's, again, what the fuck, man? You work at BitGo, working on their, their engineering team, like that's... Better practices there. If you're looking at, I don't want to shit on an individual. I feel bad. If he had a ledger or a treasure or a coal car, or whatever, just the most basic hardware. If he had, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, this is this is even more sloppy than having a hundred thousand dollars on like Blockstream Green Wallet on your phone. Yeah, and again, it highlights like this is probably the most effective way to quote unquote steal people's Bitcoin. Like, you're not. Like the most attacks are going to be phishing attacks, SIM swap attacks, like attacks where 
you're not physically harmed. Uh, Should we explain what a sim swap is? Yeah, so a sim swap is if somebody goes into, uh, they find out your cell phone provider, they find out your self-identifying information, they go into a local, uh, say, whatever, we'll use Verizon as an example, they go into your, actually at and I think they usually call up, they just call up. And call up if they know your password, um, and uh, they just say they want to activate a new phone. I'm going to yeah. activate a new. F- Imagine if you called up your cell, your cell phone provider and you said to them, I lost my phone. I got a new phone. I want to activate it with my number. And then they pretend they're you. So they like either, you know, they they get some of your security questions or something like yeah, that. They know your pin information and, and they then, social engineer their way into yeah. getting. Well, your there's phone number. there's even some of the attackers do have to go to physical locations because for some cell phone providers, uh, uh, basically dictate that you show photo ID in person to do this stuff. And some people have gone as far as to make fake IDs with the names to SimSwap. Oh, but that's good. If, if cell phone providers did that, it'd be, well, it'd that's, be better. Well, that's, that's been the, the problem is people have tried to put these security checks in place um, and they just haven't followed through and the, the cell phone companies are really falling on their fucking faces and, and not addressing this huge security vector. That's another thing we talk about Bitcoin. Bitcoin creates the incentive to highlight these security vectors. Um, and this is a huge one. Uh, so if you, again, like we've said for the last five minutes, if you have your phone number tied to anything uh, and they're able to SIM swap you, they can fuck your life, basically. Yeah. Use app-based two-factor and make sure that SMS isn't activated on any of your accounts. Like I said, test it out through, for, I forgot my password. And if you're... And the most important is your main email. If you're address. holding $100,000 worth of Bitcoin, up your security game. You should not be holding it in a hot wallet. Well, no, but he could, he could... Who knows? He might have $10 million worth of Bitcoin, right? And he could have it in the most elaborate cold storage. And it was like 100,000, like, I want to play around with Coinbase shit coins was on Coinbase, and that's what got stolen. So uh, if that was the case, then, like, a little bit, then that's way less, right? Like, that was yeah. his high-risk wallet. But yeah. still, he, he's, you know, he should have known better. Um, hey, Sean, sorry for we were too harsh there. Well, he even says in it, he feels really bad. I mean, he learned his, uh, he definitely learned his lesson the hard way. Yeah. Um, it was nice. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad he wrote it up, but I'm just disappointed. I am as well. Better, better practices. And then it looks like Selkis got sim swapped for his third time because he tweeted out to Coinbase to shut down his account, which like your security model should not rely in publicly tweeting out to your Bitcoin brokerage. To yeah, I saw their head of account. I saw their head of engineering got back to him right away. Like, yeah, email us, DM please. Me. <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, be aware. Sim swapping. Be aware. Sim swapping is a thing. Burners help, too. If you get a burner phone, burner email addresses, you use different email addresses for different services. This is what we go back to earlier when I was like, your main email account is your most important because they can, I forgot my password everywhere. Well, if you have different email addresses registered through VPNs and stuff, then then they then they can't do that. Diversify your risk, freaks. Diversify your risk, especially as we head further into the information age. This stuff's only going to get more elaborate. It's going to get more fierce. Beware. Um, last subject. The IEO is hot in the street, bro. What do we think about it? Cranking, or excuse me, Cranking didn't do an IEO. They're doing a, an equity offering. Um, $1,000 minimum to the public, $4 billion valuation uh, being run by Bank of the Future. Which There's like no token or anything. It's just like you log into a website and you have a share, right? Yeah, it's pure equity. I'm pretty sure. But it's like the same idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I guess the big difference is the Leo token is more like a BNB type thing where you pay fees and stuff in it. Yeah, so the Leo token for you freaks who are unaware is the uh, the token of Bitfinex that Bitfinex has launched. They raised a billion dollars. They raised a billion dollars. A lot of it. Uh, Four billion valuation, I think. Yeah, it was. It didn't even reach the public, did it? It ever reached the public? Well, now it's publicly traded. But yes. The presale was all insiders, mm-hmm. which is I I don't know like. N- Bitcoin is a better investment than either of these or BNB. They're all you're just all you're just adding risk on top of your investment. Yeah, it's crazy how how this is the hot this is the hot chick on the block right now though. IOs are pumping. Like, they've been pumping like crazy the last couple of weeks. I don't like to talk it's about it. It's because of BNB. Yeah. Oh no, the I you're right. So then the IOs is like the evolution of the ICO. Yeah, it's just 
new makeup on the pig. It's a different. It's literally an ICO just facilitated by exchanges like Binance. Yeah, the initial distribution is slightly different, it, and I think so. Binance, like your position in the IEO, like CZ just keeps adding like these random schemes to pump the price, and so like your position in the IEO is determined by like how much BNB you hold. And uh, just a word to the wise, multi-coin capital is uh, bullish on this stuff, so just be aware. After it all blows up, they're going to say they were short on it, FYI. This is true. Just a heads up. Um, and then uh, Circle, which uh, is under the Goldman Sachs family, I believe now, or at least invest- Goldman Sachs Goldman Sachs them. is like a minority investment. Yeah. Right? Um, they own- so, yes, they're part of the family. Yeah, they own up. They acquired Poloniex about a year ago, year and a half ago. Maybe even sooner than that. Not sure. Whatever they had, Poloniex. They just had to lay off thirty employees or ten percent of their headcount. Um, Jer- they delisted nine nine tokens from their from Polo for U.S. users. For U.S. users only. Yeah, because they're afraid their securities, which is interesting because it's the exact opposite of what Coinbase is doing right now. Yeah, and again, this goes back to uh, another ongoing topic here at TFTC: is uh, when you're not focused and you you pivot from idea to idea. Circle is a is a great example of that. Jeremy Allaire famously came out uh, a few years ago and said that Bitcoin was going to fail um, and became anti-Bitcoin since it's come back into the Bitcoin fray. But uh, again, if you don't have any focus or a long-term vision and are sort of going uh, going with the, the wind, per se, uh, I don't think it's a good long-term strategy. And you hate to see people get laid off, but uh, it's sort of predictable when you don't have any focus. You know, the whole benefit of Poloniex was that it was a bucket shop. So, like, when, like, a Goldman Sachs company buys it, Goldman Sachs-backed company buys it, like, that defeats the whole purpose. That's why we see with, like, Binance right now. You can trade altcoins with limited KYC. Now they're going to start springing KYC on people because they're too big. They're a target. They have to legitimize. So then you have another one pop up, and that'll be, like, the premier place to do altcoins. Same thing happened to Bittrex, right? Like, we just yeah. see it all over and over again. That's crazy how, like Poloniex and Bitrex, they were they were the the hot chicks on the block four years ago, five years ago, and they're zombie. Even zombie at the beginning now. of the 2017 run, they were like the place to be. Yeah, didn't Bitrex do a an IEO too? Bitrex has been doing some sketchy ass shit. They did the Vera Block IEO. Yeah, they've been doing some sketchy ass shit. They have that uh, they have uh, like an ex Department of Defense attorney on their on their staff i'm pretty sure on their board it's important to participate in regulatory capture (laughs) in this industry if you're in america at least i I mean it's short-sighted they're all screwed it's just going to move overseas most of it yeah except for the on-ramps that's why it's smart what what square is doing because they're just focusing on like the lead the lowest regulatory burden just be like the best on-ramp they could be and, like, if you want to, like, play in the casino and stuff, like, you do that without them knowing. Yeah, and if their quarter-on-quarter quarter revenue growth is any sign, it's a, it's a good strategy up to this point. Disclaimer, Cash App is a sponsor of TFTC. Um, yeah, a sponsor and a highly used <laughs> highly used product. Yeah. Um, that's We got anything to riff on? Um, one of the things that was interesting about that, we're going to link to that Elizabeth Warren article. Bloomberg did a whole thing on it. And it's like she has this like uh, this economist uh, like he's going to be like her chief economist if she gets uh, elected. And he does all this analysis like he uses Panama Papers and stuff to figure out. He's the one who came up with the what I what I say eight trillion. Eight trill. Yeah. And it's interesting because he was saying that. Um, the top 1% controls 40% of the wealth, I think, or something like that. The top 0.1% controls 22% of the wealth. Holy shit. So, like, all this bullshit about, like, Bitcoin not being fair, like, at least they can't break the rules and put it in their own advantage and increase their share of that wealth. Um Unfa- unfairly to you like bitcoin is way more fair than like the u.s dollar yeah that, that um that distribution was attained via the cantillon effect some would argue um yeah here was ronald reagan the point one top point one percent controlled seven percent of the nation's wealth so what was that like the mid 80s mm-hmm. 
and now it's 22%. That's crazy. And just I would look at the growth of that uh that concentration in in uh, overlay the, the growth of the monetary base over that same period. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. They just they cheated and just yeah. increased their part of the pie. So remember why we're in this. Uh free speech money, sound money, uh private money. We're in it for freedom freaks as we head into this Memorial Day weekend. Think about freedom. Cheers. Peace and love.